All right. Well, I'm super excited today because I am talking with my dad who has a crazy story and I've always been super fascinated by um, what he's gone through in life, but more recently what he has just recently gone through. So I thought no better way to start this than to start it with my dad, um, whom I adore and love and have a really amazing relationship with. Um, so thanks dad. Do you have coffee this morning? I have brought myself a latte. I have a coffee and uh, I'll pour myself a little bit more here right now. Yeah, get the coffee going, you know? We got her going, cooking and a brewing. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. I'm so excited because I feel like lots of people know your past story from your childhood, but not a lot of people know of the current story. So that'd be really cool to talk about um, where you were and where you've come and what you've gone through more recently. Um, I think growing up as a kid, I always knew your story. My dad, we would, he would travel and he would sing these, we would sing with my dad sometimes when he would, we would travel. And one of the songs that he would, um, do was, or was it a song or was it like a story? I can't remember now. Was it a song, Little Eddie? Uh, the song, which one was, I got the Lord and that's enough, or was it, uh, no, the one where you would tell your story, Little Eddie. Was that a story, not a song? Yeah, that was a story, yeah. Ah, yes. And well, I remember yeah. hearing that. Yeah, I would tell it <clears throat> wherever we would go uh, with, the, uh, with the family. And uh, it was a little testimonial of my childhood growing up and, and how things accumulated and, and how sometimes in school, uh, things went a little bit wrong and uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, yeah it, it all came together well at the end I'm, I'm grateful that I have been able to from being totally paralyzed to where I am today uh, is truly a miracle yeah it is dad you make me all teary eyed I can I can feel it I was thinking it'd be really cool if we started from the beginning because my dad and I have been working on like writing his story and trying to like um, encapsulate the journey that he had as a little boy, um, seven years old, being in a really bad accident, not knowing if he was going to be able to live, never mind walk or talk or, or live a normal life. So I think maybe we could start there at the beginning and we could, whatever comes of it comes of it. I think the great thing about these conversations is that it doesn't have to be anything. It can be, we just talk about your childhood or maybe it evolves into where, what you recently went through. I think that I wanna create a space where we can talk about all of it and any of it, whatever comes to you, there's no pattern or any um, place we can't visit, um, but there's no limitations as to saying that we have to stay somewhere and only talk about one thing. So I think it'd be really cool to start from you as a child and maybe just like a little bit of who you were pre your accident, um, what happened, and then rolling into like the journey that unfolded afterwards. Right. Well, I was, I was the oldest of six children, born into a Christian family, and I was born in 1954, May the first, and uh, yeah, we were very much involved. I grew up with the family always singing. We'd go to grandma and grandpa's house. Grandma and grandpa Funk lived about a couple of four miles away. <clears throat> and we would go there um, Sundays, uh, uh, weekends, uh, Easter, Christmas. And we would always have a celebration of singing. 
at my grandma's house. She would sit down by the piano and if she did not know the song that we tried to sing, then she had a gifting where she would, uh, we would sing it to her and she would write down the notes in number form. Mm. And she, and when she, we, we were done singing the song, she would sing it back to us exactly the way we had, just using numbers. That was something that I wish I would have learned, but I never got to teach her to teach me that. Then we would, <clears throat> we would uh, have uh, uh, grandma's house. You could always smell the coffee kettle uh, brewing. Mm. She would, uh, the coffee smell was always in the house. It was such a refreshing smell. And uh, yeah, then we, uh, we would were involved in church. We would go sing as a funk family. We would go sing everywhere. And uh, uh, we would do uh, big conferences, singing conferences. And it was, it was a, uh, always a highlight for me to sing with my siblings. We would, as, as we were traveling from place to place, we would sing four-part harmony in the car to the, to the best that we knew how. And it... Uh, it, it, it was really, you know, uh, a, a, I think it was a strong way of growing, of growing up. We sang together, we prayed together, and we stayed together. Until this day, till to this day, we are still very close as a, as a Fung family. Yeah, you are. And then things went on and, and uh, you know, I, we got married. I, I met my wife uh, on tour. Uh, on a Bible school, I went to Nippon Bible Institute, and uh, so I was involved in a male quartet, and uh, we went singing everywhere, and we happened to go to a small town called Rostern in Saskatchewan, and, and uh, uh, I met my wife at a, a youth meeting, mm. uh, and it was interesting, you know, how, how everything worked out, and, and uh, yeah, she, uh, then we, we did get married after a few months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it was. And, and uh, then we started life together, you know, and, and young couples always have dreams and, and, and goals that they try to achieve and, and try to, you know, uh, work small things out and, and, and learn to get along and, and learn to love each other no matter what. And uh, yeah, and then it came uh, time for us to uh, to uh, have a family, and and there were some medical complications uh, pertaining to that. The doctor told us that due to my accident, uh, we would never have a family, and uh, so we we took that to prayer and. Uh, uh, God overdid himself. He blessed us with three lovely children. And mm -hmm. we are truly, truly, truly grateful. Plus 10 grandchildren, which yeah. we are proud of. Yeah. Yeah, we're bountiful now. We are. Our quiver yeah. is full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, take me back to like the day that you were coming home from school and you were invited to get a ride on the back of the truck with a couple of kids. And take me back to that day when you were seven. Okay. I remember going out on the, uh, to the truck. It was, a, I don't know, a GM truck of some sorts, I believe. 
And I went and asked John if I could have a ride home. And uh, yeah, I could. So I jumped on the back of the truck and, and uh, the truck rolled off the schoolyard. The truck probably had, I don't know, had five or six or maybe eight kids in the back of the truck and, and we were driving. And uh, then I, uh, uh, as kids do, you know, I was involved with chatting and on that I looked up and then I saw that they were going past the corner that I was going to get off. And so I, um, I made my way to the back of the truck and uh, at about 30 miles an hour, I stepped off the back of the truck. I don't remember anything after that. I've just been told stuff what happened. Uh, my mother was feeding the cattle in the nearby field and, and she heard a, a loud raucous uh, asking the kids screaming for the truck driver to stop driving. Uh, I, I was uh, told that my mother had, had heard this and then she made her way after she realized it was me, she made her way to come to pick me up. Mm. At which time they, uh, they then took me to uh, home and uh, then they got uh, as, uh, a school teacher's husband to drive me, I believe it was Mr. Franz to drive me to um, St. Pierre Hospital. And uh, uh, then um, uh, the, the doctors there couldn't, hospital couldn't do anything for me. So then they had me go to the uh, Winnipeg Children's Hospital. And uh, at that time, the ambulance rides weren't all that much used, at least not in my situation. Uh, they uh, phoned ahead telling the police that there would be such and such a car coming through and they were supposed to stop all traffic and let me go through. Mm. Uh, at which time they then took me to and the- And at this point, th at this point, dad, so you've fallen off the truck, you've hit your head on a, on a big rock? Is that no, what I'm it was, it was on fro frozen ground, it was in November. And the, okay. grader had, the grader had just gone by and pushed up an edge. And I don't know if I fell on the edge or, or, or what really happened. I just know that, that the ground was frozen. So blood was coming out of your ears from what I heard from grandma out of your nose. You were non, very not very responsive, kind of in and out. I was mainly you out. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember anything. I, I, I just uh, remember vaguely looking up and them going past my corner. And then I made my way to the back and uh, a friend of mine that was on the back of the truck, still a friend, Johnny T said, and you just stepped off the truck, just stepped off and you flopped all over it and, and you were non-responsive. So yeah, those were some tragic times. So then after that, what, so I remember your mom saying that like, you know, your aunt and uncle had to rush you to the hospital. You're not, you're totally floppy. You're bleeding. You're not responsive. Um, and they take you to the hospital. And then there's how much time before you came to again? How much time between when you, that accident happened that, you know, they were telling your parents, if I remember correctly, tell me if I'm wrong, that they said that you would maybe not make it or that if you would, you would not be a normal child any longer. You would not be able to feed yourself or walk or talk 
are those things that you were told, like that your parents were told? Yeah, they, they were told when they arrived at the Children's Hospital that I had only one hour to live, that, they're, that they were going to do a, a five-hour surgery or four-hour surgery in one hour. And uh, my mom tells the story how she took the scissor and cut all the clothes off of my body and just, um, and then said, here, take him, fix him up. And then the doctor said, it looks, doesn't look very good. We don't think he's going to make it, but, but, uh, you know, uh, mom and dad, they were leading believers, Christian people, and they phoned the church community and they got together and prayed that, uh, that God would see this whole thing through. Mm. It's surprising. After 60 some years, I'm still soft around the edges. But But that changed everything, Dad. Yeah, that did ch change everything. I, after the surgery, the doctors came to my parents and said that uh, um, I had made it through the surgery. They had, my heart was beginning to uh, slow down and beginning to show signs, show signs of, of stopping. They did try something, ex an excellent medicine, which worked. And uh, my heart started beating again. And uh, then they explained to mom and dad that I had made it to the surgery, that my left-hand side uh, had come back. It, 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 I was not totally paralyzed, but my right-hand side was still paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they didn't know if I would ever be able to function as a normal child again. Yeah. They, uh, they said it, it, it would take a lot of time. Uh, but uh, I remember being in a, almost in a different state of mind. I, I, my mind would come and go. I, I, I I would see my parents, all of a sudden they would fade out and then I couldn't see them anymore and then they would come close to me again. And then, you know, I would, I would, uh, uh, I did begin to whisper in, in, in the scriptures that mom and dad had taught me as a child growing up and the, some of the courses were coming back. Like I would whisper, in and out, like only believe. All things are possible, only believe. And then the, the verse that, that my, my pastor, Bill Peters in the EMV church taught me this verse, and I'll never forget it. And I remembered it then. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, I, and those things began to, to, to give mom and my parents hope that, that there, was, there was some some type of, of healing taking place that, that was, um, you know, a, a God thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, I, I, uh, uh, began to, to talk a little louder. And I remember walking walking was a real challenge. 
I, 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 mm -hmm. they would take me in a wheelchair and then they try to make me walk and my right hand side just simply wouldn't respond. Mm -hmm. It was so challenging. And, and then I would notice my mind leaving and I, I, I would say things that didn't make sense. And then I would come back to where, to where I, uh, I could think more clearly. And, and yeah, it was all, all a time, a time scheduled process for me to, to get back into the groove. Hmm. So you had to learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to think again. Um, do you remember the first thing you said when you came to? I, yeah, I, I, I called my parents by name, not my mom and dad, but by Peter and Nettie. Mm. I, I referred to them as that. I don't know why, but that's what happened at that time. And, uh, but it was mainly a whisper, just a whisper and, and a mirror whisper. And I tried to, tried to I would try to focus and, and my one eye was all cross-eyed, the right I was looking way to the left side. And uh, that was also a challenge to, to focus with that. And I should mention that they had, if I recall correctly, they had scheduled a surgery for me to get that eye put back into place. Mm -hmm. And and the day, day or a week or whatever before the surgery, I, I went and spoke to my mother and she says, Edward, go look in the mirror. And I looked in, and my eyes were both looking back at me. And they turned back, it had turned back on its own. Wow. Wow, Dad. Yeah, another miracle. You saw a lot of miracles in, by the time you were seven, hey? A lot. Yeah, I saw a lot of miracles, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm truly grateful. And, and you know, the miracles don't stop after a certain age you keep happening yeah i think when i think about your life dad i think about how you continually like i think even just your most recent injury you're like a man of miracles i was talking to someone i'm like my dad is just like he's seen so many miracles in his own life and around him and people around him i mean from having your accident as a child to then having children you know not being told you couldn't have any children because of the accident um to then having three kids to then having 10 grandkids, like you've just seen miracle after miracle after miracle and things that you thought you couldn't do, you couldn't accomplish, you've super exceeded and, and, and gone beyond. But it wasn't without you feeling the pain and feeling the suffering or the pendulum swing to like feeling your legs work together and feeling your eyes work together and feeling the shift. It's you, you, you have probably such great gratitude for the simple things, I bet you at seven and eight and nine, as you grew, you didn't take for granted the things that some of us might have taken for granted at that age, because you knew what it was like to be without those things. Yeah, you, you, you don't really miss it until you don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember trying to, and also I should mention, I, I had two surgeries. One, the first surgery was was where they removed a bone in my skull to give them access to do the repairs that needed to be done. Uh -huh. Then I went home and the mom and dad had to tie me up in the bed so that I would not hurt myself because the doctor said that any bump of any sorts 
just the skin hanging over, over top of my brain. That was all there was separating the world from my brain was my skin. Wow. And any tap or any, any hurt or any fall or any um, uh, sudden jolt would, could damage. And then I, I could be permanently um, disabled again. But then I remember them tying me in bed and so that I, I couldn't move. And, and, and they only meant well, I mean, and, and, I, and I was in and out and couldn't really remember and couldn't really think as well as I should. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then they took me in for the second surgery. And by that time I was thinking a little bit more clearly. They, they were scared of infection. That's why they didn't install the metal plate. Okay. Then a couple of, I don't know what it was, a couple of weeks later, uh, they took me back in and they did install the, the metal plate for me, which I still have. Mm. They screwed it all together and, and that's how I've been operating now for the last 60 some years. It's crazy it's been that long, hey? Yeah. It's actually, it happened in 62, November. And uh, and so it wouldn't uh, it would be sixty years now in November coming out. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. Do you feel like when you think back on it, you can remember and recall so much of the of the the things you went through? Very, they come so true and clear to your mind, or does it feel distant? There are certain things that, that feel clear, and certain things that 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 you, you look through as if you're looking through a fog. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, I remember then when they were going to put that plate and I would, I would pray and ask God to heal that bone up without putting the plate in because I didn't want to go for surgery again. I remember that very plain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I, um, and, and singing was so much part of our family that, mm-hmm. that we would sing. We, we almost sang through the whole situation and, <laughs> And we made, we, you know, uh, we made harmony, and 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 that was so instilled and so born. And even at seven, eight years old, I I, I was singing tenor, and uh, wow. you know, and my siblings were beginning to sing, and so it it was all together. You know, uh, uh, I think it was all orchestrated by God to to uh, you know to 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 see miracle after miracle happen in my life, which yeah. I'm truly for. You know. And music seems to be something that a thread that's carried you through life, eh? And probably through your parents and grandparents, seems like music has always been a thing in your family. And even yeah. as we grew up, like we learned how to sing as little children and how to sing parts. And that was just part of it. And, and music has seemed to be woven through life um, and carried you through not just that seven-year-old um, injury and impact it had in your life, but through your entire life. Um, I would say like, even when you went to, you know, Bible school, I think you were singing with people then, and it just seemed to be a thread that kind of wove you. Maybe it kept you like, maybe it's what kept you grounded, kept you close to God, kept you, um, um, soft and believing. Yeah. Singing and, and certain songs happen at certain times or certain times, certain things happen when we were singing these, these songs, you know? Uh, and, and some of the songs are, are still very vibrant. I, I sang with the funk family, the singing funk family. Then I sang with the chapel quartet for 14 years out of mm. Warren, Saskatchewan. We, we traveled all over 
and and then between that, when I met my sweetheart, we were traveling with the with an Nippon Bible Institute quartet. So I have a lot of a lot of singing in my past and hopefully in my future. Mm-hmm. And it, it is something that that uh, is woven in, in, into our hearts and our minds. That that uh, you know, uh, singing together, making harmony. Uh, a lot of people. Our friends, they would go play baseball, they play hockey, they play that, but not the Funk family. We we sang together and we still do to this day. We make harmony together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit to this last year. 2020 was quite a year for the whole world um, and how it all unfolded. But you had, you know, you at this point, you've lived your life for so long, like, so people know you've had a limp on your right side, right? Because your right leg is um, not doesn't hold the strength as your left leg does. Your left leg kind of looks like a tree, and your right leg is more lean and doesn't have as much strength to it, right? So that's probably where you felt the most. Um, like I'm, I'm, you can tell me, but felt the most change is like in your walking, like your hips and things have shifted away to compensate for your injury, but your upper body, like your arms. Um, and your, you know, your, your thought pattern never really um, was affected long-term by that. It was mostly just your, your walking. Is that, would you say that's correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. My, my arms and my hands and and shoulders, they they get more practice, more exercise. You do more with your hands than you do with your feet. Right. Right. And, and so, so, uh, it, it took me quite a while to learn to walk again and my balance. And okay, in, in my prime time, let's say from the time I was 15 till the time I was uh, you know, 45, 50 years old, I, I, I was pretty stable and I, I'm, I'm on my feet. I, I could do, you know, I, I did insurance work. I, I would climb two, three story buildings, walk six, 12, eight, 12 pitch roofs. And and you know and I, I learned to be careful, and mm-hmm. and and my left hand side had learned to compensate where my right hand side would fall short. Right. So uh, you 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 develop a, a thought pattern that your brain automatically tells the left side to do what the right, right hand side maybe can't. So um, I I did not let that stop me as far as work was concerned. Um, you know, I, I would do the same thing my brothers did growing up. I would haul wheelbarrows of concrete. I would call haul sheets of plywood. It, it, it didn't matter. And, mm-hmm. and and I, but but now looking back, I wish maybe I had not done as much as what I did, and maybe saved my right hand side for the future one. And I I looked at it then. So, right. but hindsight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hindsight. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what was your question again, honey? Oh, I'm trying to remember now. I just was asking you, um, yeah, how the, your body, basically how it's affected your right side to your left side. I think mostly as a kid, I really never noticed, like you're my dad and you're like the first guy I ever fell in love with. So I didn't ever notice you were perfect. I didn't notice that there was any complications in how you walked or even that you might even feel insecure about that. Like I remember one time you saying, oh yeah, when we go to church or whatever, I try to find you not go too close because when I have to leave, I don't want to have to have people see me walk with a limp and I never considered that as a child I never considered what that might have felt like to me you were just my dad and you were like the greatest dad I could have 
So I never noticed and felt that insecurity that you might've felt, um, or even like even had an inkling what it might've been like to be a seven-year-old child. Cause me and my seven-year-old self, or even my 14-year-old self didn't, couldn't understand what that might've been like for not for only for you, but for your mom. I don't think it was until I had kids that were even seven. And I was like, wow, you were just little, like seven's grade one. You're just a small child. And to, to, to have to learn everything all over again, and to be a mom of other children as well, and, and trying to, to take care of you, I can't imagine like the stress that that would have put on your, on your mom, on your, on yourself, on your self-confidence, like who you are dad is incredible and the person that you are like people that don't know you you were just the most loving person and the most forgiving person and the most um welcoming person which i think is a total gift for somebody who's been through so much pain and had to reroute life in so many different ways and had to conquer words that were spoken that you wouldn't be able to do things or you couldn't achieve things or you might not be anybody. But then to be like a, a successful businessman, to raise three great kids alongside mom, to fight through and work through difficulties in marriage and finances. And like the person you are is just, it's, it's astounding. And, and you're such a, like a massive testimony to people, whether you're, whatever your journey is, like I feel like you can identify on so many levels of courage and resilience and dignity and hope and humble and love. Like you just, you're all of those things. Um, and like this last year has, was really hard to see you go through something. And now I got to sit alongside you in the midst of um, uh, another alt, like life altering and shifting time for you um, and got to feel a little bit of what you you might have felt uh, as a child so in August um, you had a really bad accident you're working on some woodworking I think that's kind of where you found some of your like peace and just calm spaces like listening to music in the garage and like just you know, tinkering around with wood and making some beautiful pieces. And you had a really um, abrupt shift in life that just kind of put everything on hold and probably brought some perspective to, to you and to life and to all of us, I think, again, um, you can tell me about that because I wasn't there for that experience, but um, you're working in the garage. And then what happened? Yeah, I, I was cutting a small piece of wood, maybe inch by inch square, about two and a half inches long. And I remember that this was the last piece I was going to be cutting for the day. And uh, the other three pieces were laying on the side, and I was just pushing this through. I was looking at it, and I remembered as clear as day. I, I, I was looking at the board. I saw it, and I heard a bang. And all I saw in my eye was black. It was nothing. Nothing was, I couldn't see the light of day. And Lorna, my wife had just come home. She never comes home during the day, but this time she just walked in with friends of hers. And um, um, I, I remember going to the truck to pick something up and doing the cut and and getting this piece of wood in my eye and then going calling Alorna. And she said she heard it right away. There was something that she needed to attend to right away. And when she 
she saw me and she said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and what did you do? And I, I kept asking, is, is my eye still there or is, is it gone or, or, or what's, what's happened? Because I couldn't see, my hands were full of blood, my, my face was bleeding and, and so. So it was, um, the pain was very bad. Mm. And so then the uh, Kendra came by, our daughter-in-law came by and my girl came by and she, she said, uh, it'll be okay there, you'll be okay. So they phoned the ambulance, they came to pick me up. And then I, I went to see the doctor and he says, we have options. We can leave it the way it is. And you might or you might never see again. You probably won't. Or we can do a surgery and you have a 50-50% chance of, of uh, regaining some of your sight. He said, I don't know if you get it all back, if you get half of it back, I, I, I can't promise you. Well, I said, what would you do? Well, I said, I'd have the surgery. So then, okay, I said, let's do it. So then I came in and they did the surgery. He said, it'll take about half an hour, 45 minutes and we'll be done. The next day when he came to see me, he said it had taken over three and a half hours to get my eye fixed or wow. repaired or whatever he had to do with it. He said that the retina was three quarters torn down or torn and um, the rest of the eye, um, but there was so much blood in inside my eye, he, he couldn't tell what, what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. They tried to wash it out the best that they could, but it was still. And uh, then I went, I didn't see anything in the eye. I, was, I go to the doctors for, for, for checks and they'd say, how many fingers am I pointing out? I said, I can't see no fingers. Do you see mm -hmm. double? I said, I can't even see single, never mind double. There's no sight there. Mm -hmm. So then they uh, well, I'll come back in two weeks or a week or three weeks, whatever it was, I forget already. And then I, I'd go back and do the same thing. You know, what can you see? I, well, I can't see anything. Mm -hmm. And so he had talked to me about, about the token. He said, you had a very heavy cataract and we took your lens out and it was, it was too much blood. We had to remove it all. And we're going to see if we can put a lens back in, but, but we can't promise you anything. So um, and I, I, kept, I kept praying that God would make a way that they would put a, able to put a lens in it. But then I went on to the hospital, to the doctor to see him around Christmas time. And I think you took me there. And uh, I had you and, and Jody uh, on the phone as a doctor was explaining what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he, he came out to, to virtually say that you will probably never see any better than what you see right now. And we, we, we can't, to put a lens right now would, would be useless. And, and he, he led me to believe that he didn't really want to see me again. This, this was a final. Yeah, but I bet. Yeah. I begged him to, uh, to, to see me one more time. And I remember uh, you coming to meet me and help me back to the car and we held each other, we cried. Mm -hmm. He did. It was hard to be on the other end of the phone because it, with COVID, none of us could go in with you. So you had to go by yourself and be in that space. And I remember Jordan and I listening 
And after you had hung up, we talked and he's like, I feel like the doctor's just trying to like, does he knows the doctor knows that it's not going to get any better, but he's just like trying to satisfy dad by being like, okay, you can come one more time, you know, um, at just trying to appease you kind of, cause there's this desperation in your voice being like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm and he was like, you can just resume re- re- as normal, but there was no normalcy to your life. Like you hadn't driven since August. This was Christmas now. And you hadn't because of your, um, your, um, impairments with walking, it really created some difficulties with you um, not being able to see because your perception was so off. So you would sometimes lean for a wall and the wall wouldn't be that close. And so it would, you know, you were so, it changed your, the way you, you moved, it changed your confidence. It changed like your ability to, to work and to, to have any kind of independence. You, you, you didn't really even go for a walk by yourself because if any uncertainty, steady ground, if you couldn't see it meant that you could fall and that could create more injuries. So it really would changed everything for you. Like those months that you were in bed, like let's not forget that you were in bed rest for what, six weeks, you couldn't move. You had to be, you were in so much pain. You had, you know, drops going into your eyes every couple hours. You were up through the night taking medication. There was so much pain management to try to, to try to, you know, comfort. You couldn't lay down on your back. You had to be elevated. Like it was completely like, life altering. So what I think when he said, oh yeah, just remain as normal, just go on as normal. I was like, I'm sorry, how, what is normal? He can't drive. He can't, there's so many things you couldn't do that. It felt like a sentencing to being like, and you can continue doing what you're doing, which is so limiting to what you have known for the last 60 some years. So I think when Jode and I were listening on the phone, we're both of our faces were just like, and your hearts and your guts just sink. And you're just like, this can't be this can't be the reality. This can't be um, your 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 truth. No, Ellie. Um, sorry, Ellie's just behind me. She wants to come in. Um, but yeah, she. It was just. It was really hard for us to, to swallow that. And he's like, "Okay, you can come one more time." And I think it was a month later that he said, or was it three weeks later? And um, and so it, it was just something that we we didn't know how to hold you in that. And I remember coming out of the car and just holding you as you came out and you just sobbing, your whole body just shaking, being like, no, like this can't be the end of my story. This can't be the completion of this story. And so, you know what, you came home and I remember telling mom and her face just dropped. And she was like, she felt it too. She was so sad because all this time we've been praying and, and hoping and singing and believing that there's going to be a change. And now it felt like this was the sentence that no, you weren't going to be able to see. And that meant that you wouldn't be able to drive or have a whole lot of independence. And uh, that was a hard thing to swallow for all of us, I think. And especially for you, because you're the one that's most affected by it. You're the one that's most limited by it. And then you go for, we're, we're praying. Mom's like, we're going to see a miracle. He's booked you for one more appointment. This is not the end of the story. And you go back for your appointment in January. Mm-hmm. And what happened then? Because I wouldn't get to come that time. So tell me about that. I, they, they checked my eye and, and uh, she, she put these uh, lenses in front of my eye. And all of a sudden, I, I could see it. I could see her face clear. 
And I says, I can see, I can see. And uh, she got all excited about it. And I was able to, to uh, tell colors and I could see her hand and, and uh, I could read some, some large um, lettering that they had on the wall. And, and, uh, and then well, she says, go sit down, I'll, I'll send the, the report to the doctor. So, so I, um, I, I come in and, and the doctor says, your eye has improved so immensely. Um, we're going to do a lens for you. Uh, and I don't know how much better you'll be able to see, but it, it, it will put a lens in. And uh, so then, then I had to wait a while. And, and you know, my, my eyesight, I was beginning to see more and more all the time, even without a lens. Mm. I, I, I could recognize, somewhat recognize people if they stood close enough to me. <laughs> then, then um, here, uh, what was it now? It will be two weeks this Friday that I went so in. Before you go there, Dad, how did you feel? Like, I remember, I feel like we talked on the phone after you came out of that appointment. How did you feel? Unless, let, in, being told that, hey, I think we're going to be able to put a lens in there. Because at this point, there was almost no hope that he was trying. And he said he believed in miracles, but he wasn't seeing. Like when he saw you in December, he said, the problem, Ed, is that the retina is, thin, is thinned. And we can't do anything about a thinned, thinning out retina. The impact was so, so center that when it hit you, it, it thinned out your retina, which is something we cannot, there's no surgery for that. So we can't fix that part. And without that being thicker, a, a lens won't actually stay in there. It'll just cause more problems, right? So it was that the fact that the, the retina had thickened over that three week period, right? Right, yeah. Okay, so then you go in and he tells you, hey, I think we can put a lens in this. Yeah. How are you feeling? Then I, I, I came out and Jody came out, out to help me to the car. And I said, Jody, I want to see you again. And we held each, you know. We we held each other and cried. And my emotions are sometimes more more felt by crying than they are for jumping and leaping. Inside my heart, I lump, I jump and I leap, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that was that was so so uh, so awesome. God had again. Yeah, it's another miracle. <laughs> yeah, God had again showed up. on my behalf. And then he says, we're gonna fit your eye for a lens. So then I went and got it fitted. And then I was getting really excited because you know, <laughs> it's, I, I would. So then they, I went in to do the surgery and then they, uh, uh, they he, he banded it all up 
it was a big hunk of something hanging there. See, you go home. Well, the, the backtrack with he says the, the surgery will take about an hour. And I got in at eleven and at twelve o'clock, he looked. He looked at me. He said, "Elia, I surgery was a big success." So he says, you go home now and you come back tomorrow morning at seven. I want you at my, at my office. And then the girl that I went to see um, Saturday morning, excuse me, Saturday morning. She says, you won't be able to see much better right now, but it's going to come in time. Mm -hmm. So uh, she took the bandaid off and it was, was still pretty foggy. But, you know, uh, and then on Sunday, I could see a little bit better. And on Monday, uh, for a whole week, there was improvement. There was improvement happening every day. Wow. And, and it, was, it was, you know, just a miracle. And, and, and even today, I got up this morning. I was up at 5.30. And uh, I felt something in my eye. And, and right now, when I'm looking at you on the screen... I can see your face, which before there was just a black, yesterday, or the, pardon me, last week, there was a dead space in there. Oh, but yeah. that, dead, that dead space is reviving. I, I have a cup over here, mm -hmm. and there's a, horse, a deer on there. I don't know if you can see it or not. Yeah. And, and I can see that deer as plain as day with his eye. And, wow. And, it, 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 it's just getting better. And so I am truly, truly grateful. Wow, Dad. God has that, been so good to me. So good. Have yeah. you found that it's changed the way that you walk? The sense of like, you're knowing, you're knowing your steps and feeling confident in that? My balance is coming back. Yeah. Um, I can tell my distance. Um, mm. It sometimes it looks as if you're looking through 3D glasses mm -hmm. is the way my eyes are trying to get used to each other right. and so there's it, it a little bit of 3d series but uh, you know it, it, it's getting it's it's improving pretty well every day wow and and they said that that i need should go for my prescription i don't know did he say within two months or four months but he says your i will be getting better for the next eight months wow so, so in eight months, if it keeps getting better the way it has been, I will have better vision than I ever have had before. <laughs> That's incredible. I am grateful. God has been so and, and what I must say, you kids were so incredibly helpful in all the things that you did. You came day and day in and day out, spent the whole day you know, tending to my eye drops and, and massaging my feet and giving me back massages and, you know, uh, doing, my, doing my eye drops and, and getting my medication together. You and, and your siblings have had a big, and the grandchildren have had a great part in my healing up the way I have, and I want to thank you for it. Glad mm. we wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else, you know? something when tragedy happens it's a, sometimes it's a unique thing about how it brings everybody together and i'll never forget the kids would be there at nights and they would be playing games in the kitchen and you just loved hearing their voices even though you couldn't be a part of that you were kind of stuck to your room for a month for weeks um just hearing their voices and then they'd come in and they would sing 
as they would leave, they would sing from, from Sound of Music, so long farewell, and they would yeah. leave you on this high note. But you know what? You brought them to, like, your incident brought everybody together even closer and allowed us to lean closer on each other and allowed us to sing. It might have been a silly song, so long farewell, but music has been something that started through your entire life whether it's the harmony or it's just the plain simpleness of hearing the sounds meld, melt together. Um, you've instilled that into all of us and you taught us all how to sing and the grandkids have now fallen suit in a lot of ways. And um, I think dad, you know what, we did, we all were there, but we wouldn't want it to be anywhere else, you know? And I'm sure that your mom and dad and whoever helped your mom along her journey, helping you, would have been said the same like and you would do you've done the same for us you know you've been there for me when i could barely breathe and you held me and said time baby give it time and you saw me through some darkness and i think that's what we do for each other is we hold each other when it's needed most and we laugh in the midst of the times when there's joy and it's it's a beautiful thing and i think that um, your life is such a testimony and just who you are and your presence, like I said earlier, is just, it's such a calm, comforting sense. You have been a father to so many people and you have been a friend and a brother to so many people. And it's just who you are. And you're, I'm so happy we could have this conversation today because I really want to write your book with you. I feel like you have we've just touched on like just the tip of it. It's like the little tiny bits of ice off the iceberg that we've just pulled off, but there's so many layers to your story and so much depth and um, what you went through, even as a, as a teen. And when you had your appendix rupture and, you know, that surgery and, and how that went and how kids, you were bullied as a child. And your story has so many different, um, you know, I think branches to it that it, it'll just, it, it touches so many people's lives and I can't wait till we can actually carve out the story and carve out the telling of that and communicate that um, beautiful, you know, hard, raw, real, sad, exciting, rejoiceful, faithful, believing story that you have. It's, it's incredible. And I feel like I, the more, the older I get, the more I want to know about it. You know, I mean, even remember sitting with you at, in your, it was one of your tougher days after you had your surgery and you're just like, you know, I feel so much of my younger years flood into um, my, my current situation. I, you felt like, you know, so much of what you had gone through um, when you were younger was just of the past. But then as you were sitting in the space of like being told you might never be able to see again. And that was a huge altering. Some people can drive and some people can function with one eye, but because of your, your physical impairments, it was hard for you to, um, you, you couldn't continue on as normal. So there was no normality. So I think I remember you laying there and going, Jen, like, I just feel my seven-year-old self sitting here going, oh, I've been here like deja vu. And I don't know if I can take the, you can't this time. That was hard. Yeah, it, it was hard to, to, uh, but, but you know, uh, we as as believers have this this hope, and um, uh, if we don't have hope, we are of all men most miserable. Mm -hmm. And holding on 
to the promises that God has given you. And don't lose grip of what, of what you hold, are holding on to. And God is faithful. I want everybody to know that God has proven himself faithful to me so many times. Mm -hmm. And he will continue to be faithful. And, and even though, you know, we sometimes feel as, as if we have failed or, or haven't quite lived up to, up to our families or God's expectations, God is still merciful. And his mercies endure forever. And, uh, and I want to give all the honor and praise to him. Mm. You do, Dad. Just in who you are. You do. You're an incredible human. And you are, you set um, some beautiful um, truths about your story. You've set those out for the kids. And for us all to see and to look to and to know, I think the one thing about the reason why I was so con I'm so compelled to like have these conversations and have people tell their stories is because I think it's through people's telling their stories that creates hope for others. I'm sure that in your journey, when you've gone through certain things, it's been the stories of someone else that reminded you that you weren't alone and that you could do this and that you could believe whether it was through any journey you've gone through. And I think that's the why I'm so, um, why I feel this excitement and, and, and I guess urgency, not urgency, but eagerness, I guess, to like hear people's stories is because it's people's, people sharing their stories that have caused me to, to believe. I remember when I was in a mental breakdown and you came to me and you said, Jen, I've been here too. And I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that you had been there too. And you said, time give it time. You shared parts of that story with me that, that made me know that I wasn't alone. That gave me hope <laughs> that the darkness, it wouldn't consume me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important that we share these stories because we don't know um, who feels hopeless. Mm -hmm who feels lost or alone. Um, and so I'm so excited that today you, you and I could have this chat and you're my first person um, to have this, to have an open conversation with. And I'm super excited to share this with the world and whoever wants to tune in and, and listen because that it's powerful. And there's somebody else out there who might feel like they've just been given a notice of, something and they feel hopeless or they feel down or discouraged yeah. and your story breathes encouragement it breathes courage it breathes hope it breathes light so i am so glad we got to have this conversation i'm so glad that we got to share tidbits of your story there's so much more to come we have a whole book to write um yeah. and i love you with my whole heart and i'm so grateful that we have each other we have the relationship and the friendship that we have um, and all the amazing memories that have been, that have come to this point and there's so many more to come. So I love you. I, love you. I have one question for you. Okay. I kind of wanted to end the conversation with a couple unique questions. So one question I have for you was what is one thing this week that's made you smile, like really smile? 
You know, sweetheart, I've been smiling the last <laughs> two weeks every day because I'm seeing, and maybe I'm, 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 I'm focusing on myself too much, but, but, oh. I, but I, I'm seeing more every day. And, 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 and if I can explain this somehow, there seems to be strength coming into that eye. It, mm. it, it, it's, so, it's so phenomenal. The, this, I'm beginning to be able to read and, and you know, and it's, it's just uh, an overwhelming uh, uh, gratitude and, 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 you know, uh, prayer changes things. Mm. No matter which way you slice it, prayer does change things. And that's what I've been holding on to is the Lord. The Lord has promised us a good long life, and I am here to live it. <laughs> that's amazing, Dad. You're going to be like your mom. She's 90 years this year. Yeah. She's got much more life to live. Much more life Going to live. Strong, yeah. Going yeah. Strong, yeah. Well, that's amazing. I am so grateful we got this time together. and. Yeah. I thank you for making space this morning and pouring a cup of coffee and hanging out with me and just letting it unfold as it did. I am so grateful. The pleasure has all been mine. Thank you for taking the time, baby. I love you. You're very special to my heart. Love you too, baby. Okay. Have an amazing day, dad. Keep smiling. Keep seeing. Soon we can Thanks. go for a walk. You too. Okay. Love you. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.